0: Hey, everybody, are you always talking crime? If you just said yes, well, you are in luck. My name is Kimmy, and I am the host of the Always Talking Crime podcast. It's available on all the platforms everywhere. And each Sunday, I'm going to bring you a new episode. We'll talk about serial killers, spree killers, those black widows, and everything else, true crime. Can't wait for you to join me.
1: Hi everyone, this is Deb from Dying to Be Found. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that episodes contain disturbing discussions on harmful acts and crimes against animals andor humankind. Recordings are not intended for young or sensitive audiences due to the content nature of this podcast. Listener discretion is strongly advised. everyone this is deb welcome to the dash a db2f mini episode series that i put together to practice my solo storytelling or better yet to showcase some fabulous podcasters that i've met from around the world in our true crime community the dash is still new to me and i'd like to know what you guys think about episodes so far Some of the things I really love about the podcasts that I listen to is the host personalities and storytelling. And today I've got the best of both worlds because Kimmy from Always Talking Crime is here to get tangled up in my little web of tales today. And I started listening to Kimmy a while back. And really, you guys, she is as real as they get. So, Kimmy, welcome. Thank you for joining me on the dash. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for being here. This is so exciting that I have so many people that are willing to come on here because I'm just experimenting here and I'm feeling the love. Well,
0: I'm like (laughs) a little bit nervous, honestly, because this is the first time I've done a collaboration of any kind and the first time I've been
1: interviewed. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, you're going to do great. The more I listen to your podcasts, though, I'll, I'll tell you something. I see that we have so much more in common, and you right now live a little bit further south than I do. My listeners know that I'm from Canada originally, and I live in Georgia, but you're a little bit further south than me, and I have to tell you a story because I really love the ocean, but I'm terrified to get in it because Lake Huron was my ocean when I was growing up, and they don't have jaws there.
0: Oh, right. (laughs) I'm the same way. (laughs) I have had nightmares of sharks. Since I was a child, like I will literally, I will literally dream. I'm not always being attacked by a shark, but I'll just have a shark dream like once a month still in my adult life. Wow. When I go out in the ocean, I love the Gulf here in Pensacola. Mm -hmm. But I'll like go to my waist, and if I go any further out or if I spend any length of time, I can't
1: relax because then I have to run out, run back to the beach and be in the sand because it's not my home, it's their home. That is so true. And I respect that. Yeah last summer I was in your town in Pensacola oh. and my husband is a water baby he loves going out in the ocean me I don't go past my ankles or calves because <laughs> Lake Huron has no yeah. sharks that I know of right. but I was watching him we're having a conversation probably 20 feet apart because I will not get out there and yeah. I saw a wave starting to form coming at him there was a huge shadow in that wave and of course I'm having a panic attack I turned. And run back to shore. I turn around and look, and that wave is crashing on him. Do you know what that shadow was? What the sun? Oh, it was the sun. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say either a dolphin or seaweed, depending on the the weather. It was the sun. That was crazy. It's still (laughs) that is hilarious. (laughs) I just can't do it. Just can't do it. Well, I'm the same
0: way. I like I stare into the waves too. I have some friends that go surfing, and I don't know
1: how they do it. I just I could not. Mm-mm. Nope. No way. I get it. Well, let's change gears here. Kimmy, I have a few Dash episodes under my belt, and I'm giving my guests an opportunity to showcase their own podcasts. So that's where you come in. And I wanted to give our listeners a chance to check out a new true crime podcast. This is one that I highly recommend. Kimmy is a great storyteller. So are you up to doing a mini episode with me on the Dash today? Because you're on my territory. Uh, yes, my- <laughs> I am. <laughs> okay, I thought I'd ha- um, start with some questions. Okay. Now, I've listened to you, but maybe we have some new listeners who've not heard your podcast, Always Talking Crime yet. But what made you decide to start the podcast and why by yourself? You don't have a co-host. I do not. Mainly, I, I began podcasting because I've been such
0: a true crime fan and binger for quite a few years now. And it just... Seemed like kind of like one of those obsessive type of things that I'm always talking about. I'm the person at dinner or at the party that no matter what the conversation is, somehow I managed to bring in a serial killer or a crime or something where it's so like people are looking at me like, really? Like that's what she like is gonna talk about right now. So I figured I may as well start a <laughs> podcast of my own. I did a little bit of research. I don't edit, I just however I record it is how I record it. And I can do that because. I'm the only person. Another reason (laughs) that I decided to just be a single host podcast is because I'm so busy. So many people are busy, but my schedule is so crazy and I didn't want to have to rely Mm -hmm. on what somebody mm-hmm. else's schedule is as well. So that was a big reason. Um, my boyfriend, like I was telling you before we started recording, my boyfriend keeps begging to be on an episode. <laughs> so maybe one day, but um, yeah, that's kind of like scary. It would make me have to edit so much. <laughs> and I like not having to do a lot of that. Yes. What you'll hear is what you get with me. I just, you know, you heard me. I'm sweary. I drop F-bombs. I say whatever I'm thinking. <laughs>
1: And that's what I love about it is that, I mean, even without editing, it's a great storyline. And I just feel like I'm there in the room with you. So you do a really good job.
0: Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. How do
0: you choose the storylines that you tell? Oh my gosh, girl. I wish I had a rhyme or reason but I don't. Like I'll be doing (laughs) notes for one and researching one case and then all of a sudden I'll hear about something else and I'll switch gears. So it's pretty much just what I feel like talking about. But I normally have notes. I'm working on like maybe five or six cases at a time. And it's just kind of like whichever one I finish first, I finish the one that is just speaking to me more
1: at the time. Wow, that's a great concept. I mean, I could probably
0: do more if I could just focus on one but my ADHD is all over
1: the place. (laughs) I've heard other podcasts where I had just finished telling a story about something and then all of a sudden I'm listening to another podcast and they're talking about not the story that I was telling but somebody that was associated with the story. I was like oh my god you can't I I just did that one so it's kind of neat to connect those dots but do you find yourself developing a certain way in how you communicate? Do you have a specific niche as far as your storylines? Are you still getting there?
0: I'm still getting there.
1: If you are a new listener, do
0: not start with number one. Not that number one is bad, but it's the first episode I ever did. So um, whenever I'm like searching for a new podcast, I always like to listen to a couple of their newest episodes. And then I go back to the beginning and I can usually tell a huge difference. But you know, it's, it's really developing, honestly. And I try to focus on the victims as much as I possibly can because there's so much sensationalism out there with serial killers and people putting serial killers on merch and it's just so ugh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to be that podcaster. Oh yes. I always keep in mind that somebody from the victim's family is probably listening or could potentially listen. Yeah. If I was a family member of a person that was murdered, I'm not so certain I would seek it out, but maybe some people do. So I always try to be as respectful as possible because you know that's somebody's family member and and sometimes sometimes even the killer's families of course are still victims as well so sometimes i mean it's just it's a weird line mm-hmm. you know because there's victims from both sides so i try to be as respectful as, as i possibly can yes but i still drop f-bombs
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay because they're not directed towards the family members they're directed right, towards right. the psychology behind all that i guess absolutely So what keeps you motivated to keep putting out your episodes? Well, I love it. It's just such a fun hobby. I agree. It
0: is. Sometimes, (laughs) You know, I mean, I was really proud of myself for the longest time because I I started just last February and I was never, ever late on an episode. And then all of a sudden the holidays hit me and, and all the construction going on on my front porch and I didn't have any control over it. And I just had to be like, okay, Kimmy, just do what you can do. And like, don't try to worry about it. Oh, yes. But yeah, it did at first bother me. It stressed me out a lot because I just really prided myself on always dropping my episodes, you know, same time, same day, every week. Consistently. Yeah. And it kind of went downhill the last couple of months. But hey, I still love it. And I'm still going to continue to do it. Just have to be flexible a little bit. I'm learning.
1: Yeah. And I see a lot of people out there around the holidays. Hey, we're taking a week off. Me personally, I did take a week off because I too started in February and I thought my finale was going to be a two-parter, but it did not turn out to be that way. And so I said, you know what? Why not take a week off in between? Sometimes when you're doing this, yes, I have a full-time job. I think you have a full-time job yeah, and it is a hobby, yes. but we have listeners. I know you're loyal. I appreciate that, but we're going to drop as consistently as possible, but that's not always the case. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for you real quick, because you talked about two-parters. Yeah. Do you notice that your listenership is less on part two than it is on part one?
1: Yes. Why?
0: I want listeners to tell us why. Don't they want to hear the ending?
1: That is a great (laughs) question. So listeners, DM us, email us, let us know. And uh, that's a great question because I did end up doing a three-parter and I took it from three different perspectives. And I'm going to say more people listen to the third part than even the first or the second. But you're right. There was a second parter that I had done a while back too. And I don't know why that is. Maybe they haven't reached us back in the rotation because they have other podcasts they're listening to. Maybe. So which is your favorite podcast episode that you've done? Do you have one? Oh, gosh. Well, I think it's so hard. I think
0: that I would have to say Israel Keys. Okay. That man haunts me very, very much. And I could not get him out of my head after all the research. I was researching him for about three months before I did the episode, before I did my recordings. And um, oh my gosh, he haunted me for so long. He still haunts me. Literally, I think of him just randomly. I'll be at my house and I'm like, it freaks me out that he just did everything randomly. He could just be a random person in a random house. You know, you don't have to be any type female, male age whatever it was just totally random and that freaked me the hell out Mm -hmm. and it freaked me out that he spent a lot of time in, like, New Orleans, which is only, like, two and a half-ish hours away from me. Wow. So just creepy things. That's my favorite. But then oh. also anytime there's something like stalking or domestic violence because I've been a victim of both, like Bianca Devins, that's another. not I don't want to say, you know, it's a favorite podcast episode because this young girl died. Mm-hmm. But just things like that that I can bring to light because if we bring these stories to people maybe some other, you know, women or people that are in domestic abuse situations, sometimes it's men as well. Right. They can hear the podcast episode and kind of think of things that they can do to shift
1: and maybe avoid being in that situation. So it's an awareness or even educational. Yes. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I'm going to throw a, a, just a something at you that was not in the questionnaire that you may have prepared for? Oh no. <laughs> What was the last thing you Googled? The last thing I Googled,
0: oh, the effects of antifreeze poisoning, because I'm right now getting ready to record the um, Stacey Castor episode. Oh. I added some notes. I had everything, and then at, like, four in the morning, I Googled it. I woke up, and I couldn't fall back asleep, and I was like, hey, I want to put, like, really what happens to the body, how it shuts down, instead of just talking about antifreeze poisonings. Right. So that's the last thing I Googled. So- If somebody were to get my phone and do a search on my search history, they'd be like, what?
1: (laughs) It's called DuckDuckGo. Make sure you're using that browser. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. When your new episodes drop, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me on all the platforms.
0: By the time everybody listens, I'll be dropping on Tuesdays. I drop one time weekly and I'm just starting my Patreon. I'm going to do the buy me a coffee, I believe. I heard you talk about that. So I researched it. Yeah. We do that. So I don't want to do anything with Patreon, but I still want to do bonus content. By the time y'all are listening to this, I'll be dropping an episode every month, the last day of the month on Buy Me A Coffee if you want to be a member. Otherwise, you can just support me there however you'd like, if you'd like to. Sure. And I'm on every every platform that I know of, I think.
1: (laughs) Okay. And you're on Instagram. I see you there. Yes. Yes. It's (laughs) always talking crime podcast. I'm on Instagram a lot. Yeah. And I just started TikTok. So if you're not doing that one, believe it or not, I've gained some listeners that way. So as long as you can expand your reach there. Oh, I need to. I just started using it recently and I'm just like overwhelmed with the amount of people that, that are already starting to follow. So
0: push me girl push me I have an account but I I always forget to use
1: it (laughs) so Kimmy are you ready to dash I am go (laughs) let's go now I first want to start off with an observation I feel like there are a lot of people who are either a cat person or a dog person and I've listened to you enough I know what kind of person you are but if you were to tell our audience if you're a cat person or a dog person what would that be
0: Oh my gosh. Initially dog person, but I'm becoming a black cat mom. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many dang cats here. It's crazy, but I'm a dog. I am a dog person. I am
1: too. And if you guys have listened to me, you know, Dennis likes to chime in occasionally. That's my big Bernese Mountain Dog, Border Collie, Border Knees Mixed Dog. He's just the sweetest in the world. I do love him. And I love your cats too. I told you if I live closer, I'd probably bring one home. John wouldn't be happy about it, but or two. I'd give you two. <laughs> they do need a partner, don't they?
0: Yeah, they're they're super sweet, and they get bonded after a while. So. Oh, yeah.
1: Hopefully I can find them home soon. Yeah. Well, I'm asking you this because... Approximately 68% of Americans own pets, and that's 85 million people, which opens the door to a huge opportunity for unsolved crimes, believe it or not, to be solved by pet DNA. How about that? Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. All right. So I will tell you ahead of time, I'm going to at least let you know that the cat's the hero here. Aww. (laughs) All right, so today's story is that of Lori Ocker, who at the age of 19 disappeared from Northumberland County, Pennsylvania on May 24th, 1989. Lori had been separated from her husband, Robert, for about 18 months and was now living with her parents, her son, and her two cats. Robert moved in with his parents and maintained visitation rights. Usually that's how it goes, right? Yeah. Well, Lori was a loyal and reliable employee at the local pet shop, so when she did not show up to work one day, everybody seemed to get worried, including her boss. Lori's car was discovered parked at the Susquehanna Valley Mall, which was where the pet shop is located. Okay. Naturally, Lori's husband, Robert, became the number one suspect because we know it's usually the person that's closest to you, right? Yep. From the get-go, Robert had a few things stacking up against him. The police weren't really looking anywhere else. Number one, he and Lori were separated and they were having a custody battle over their son. And then secondly, Robert had recently taken out a life insurance policy on Lori, his estranged wife by now. And on March 16th, 1989, approximately six months after he and Lori separated and two months prior to her disappearance, he had that policy in place.
0: So he got that life insurance policy
1: after they were apart. Yes. Okay. So here's the deal. I know that you do insurance. I do. Do you want to... talk about that or no? Yeah, yeah, I can.
0: Um, I've been a licensed life insurance agent here in Pensacola, well, in Florida since 2013. Mm-hmm. And I don't really do it a lot. It kind of falls into my lap if somebody wants to get some insurance. But so this guy does have insurable interest because they are still married. Yes. Okay. So he is able legally to get a policy on his wife, but it's super suspect because they're estranged and getting divorced. So right. Right away, that throws up so many red flags.
1: So that would be probably one of the things that they would be looking at. Hmm, why didn't you get this while you were still living in the same house? Exactly, and, and it might be
0: where if he if he got a policy for himself and had his soon to be ex-wife as the beneficiary of his policy that would make sense as far as taking care of their son if something were to happen to them that would make sense okay but if it if it's only one sided then it seems very very suspicious
1: sure and i'm sure she didn't even have any knowledge whatsoever nope Probably not. I'm guessing not. Well, since Lori's car was discovered at the mall where she worked, police began an investigation of surveillance videos from the surrounding areas of the mall. They discovered that a nearby ATM camera had a direct view to where Lori had parked her car, which was good and which was bad. Because if you remember back in the 80s, or I don't even know if you do. I sure do. (laughs) (laughs) I miss those days. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of do too. I mean, let's go back to the simple life. But what do we know about that era? Nothing was digital yet. No. They used VHS tapes, not digital recordings. For any of our listeners who ever picked up a popular VHS tape, Back in the day at the video store, I don't know if you've if this has happened to you, Kimmy, but I know I've picked up a very popular tape where thousands of people have watched it before me, or at least it's been run thousands of times. So the quality actually gets worse the more you watch it, right?
0: Right, and then sometimes people don't rewind
1: it, <laughs> that is right. And we got charged for that, by the way. Oh, yeah, you didn't rewind your video. Alright, so the quality does deteriorate and authorities turned to a recording company, Eastman Kodak. Not even sure they're still in business, but they sure were popular back in the 80s. They turned to Eastman Kodak to see if they could get any more information from that video and what was on the ATM footage. Eastman Kodak was not able to help, but they did direct authorities to Nassau. Wow. Which I thought was really cool. That is super cool. It is because there was a rocket scientist who specialized in enhancing spy surveillance at the time. He was able to zoom in on that video in a, a certain way where he was able to pick up on the vehicle in the very background of that ATM surveillance. Wow. And so That was really pretty cool. Yeah. He was the same scientist who was able to zoom in on the space shuttle explosion from the 1980s and determined exactly what happened during that disaster. And that's how they knew that O-ring had exploded. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. The scientist was also able to discover that Lori had gotten into a 1982 to a 1985 model Chevy celebrity, which happened to be the same model that her father-in-law had loaned her estranged husband Robert. So nothing suspicious there, right? Robert's just passing through the lot. No, line. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see here. The camera footage captured Robert Ocker pulling up alongside of Lori as she tried to walk from her car to her job inside the mall. And you could see her leaning over to talk to somebody from the passenger side. Well, according to the video, the passenger side door was open, but in the next frame, the car had torn away and Lori was nowhere in sight. So back in the day, there was like a 10 second delay when the video would capture movement or anything it would just, you know, every 10 seconds, click, click, click. One minute she's there. The next minute she is not even in sight. If you go to the link in my show notes and take a quick look at the forensic files video that I provided, it shows everything. Oh, okay. So yeah, do that in your spare time. Definitely. The car that Robert had been driving had recently been traded in at a local car dealership and police were able to track it down to the new owner pretty quickly. And of course, once they confiscated the car, authorities performed DNA analysis and discovered cat hairs inside the vehicle that belonged to one of the two cats that I had mentioned that Lori had when she went to go move in with her parents. Obviously, they're going to start analyzing that hair. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the clincher. Back on May 27th of 1989, Robert's father observed him vacuuming out the car and scrubbing the trunk of the car he had just loaned his son. There's nothing wrong with that, right? They're about to trade that vehicle in.
0: Okay.
1: Let me just jump ahead for just a moment because I did want to let you know that two and a half weeks after Lori disappeared, her body was discovered by a young woman out for a jog. Oh my gosh. I know. And she was positively identified through dental records. So as police began to investigate Robert a little bit more here, they didn't have enough evidence to arrest him for her murder. Although I had mentioned that he was pretty suspect. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to move on to the DNA evidence because this is where that comes in. Robert knew that his parents were actively looking to trade their vehicle into the local car dealership that I had mentioned. And he took full advantage of this Because he knew the car was not going to be around for very much longer. Right. This is where experts believe that he used his parents' vehicle deliberately to abduct Lori instead of using his own vehicle. And I suppose that makes sense from a criminal's perspective. It does. After the late 1980s model Chevy Celebrity car was sold to the dealership and sent off to auction, it was purchased by a state trooper who bought the car for his daughter. What are the chances
0: a state trooper buys it? I love that.
1: Yeah, and guess what? She wasn't even driving age yet. So the state trooper had the car in his possession, but it was parked Because she didn't know how to drive yet. And it was sitting in the garage for quite a while. So when police actually located the vehicle, Mm -hmm. they were able to pretty much perform an analysis without too much interference. Yeah,
0: I was just thinking that because that teenage girl wasn't driving it around with all her friends and
1: all her stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Great. How cool. Yep. And so, when the car was taken in for analysis, police conducted forensic science on the front passenger door and the upper door jam plus the door seal. Because remember, when I had mentioned the ATM footage captured all of that, they saw Lori leaning in to the passenger side door, so they were able to do that analysis. Mm-hmm. And they also went through the trunk and discovered those tiny strands of hair. Lab experts examined the hair and determined that it was not from a human being. Ongoing analysis included hundreds of hair types. What they determined, Kimmy, was that the hair found inside the trunk belonged to a cat. And not just any cat, it was microscopically matched to one of the cats that indeed belonged to Lori and her son. Oh, that's so great. Isn't that amazing? Yes. You know, this was back in the 80s and we didn't have a ton of DNA. This was microscopically compared and they came up with a match. So I love talking about these cases. If you listen to even a lot of the Dash episodes, we talk a lot about familial DNA and it doesn't always have to be from human beings. It can be from animals I've seen other stories and I was trying to decide which one am I going to do because I know you have animals and that's why I went with this one (laughs) I love that do you know that they also can do DNA on trees no I did not know that yeah you know with the pollen or if they grow a certain type of nut or whatever it is they can actually match stuff that way too that is phenomenal oh my gosh that's fantastic Going back to the ATM footage of Lori getting into that vehicle and cat DNA found once it was located, police had enough evidence to arrest her husband, Robert. He was found guilty of kidnapping, plus Lori's murder and sentenced to death. Oh, no. However... On July 31st, 1996, Robert appealed this case and the death sentence was vacated. He is currently serving life in prison at the State Correctional Institute in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. Okay, well, he's never getting out. No, he is definitely not getting out. So
0: there's no chance of parole.
1: Not that I could find. Okay. That's great.
0: All right. That's good. That's good.
1: Yeah. So that's the story of Lori Auker. And I do love it because authorities can analyze DNA in so many different ways, like I had just mentioned. And there you have it, Kimmy. We've met the finish line. I love that. It's so
0: great, too, because there's so many times that I get to work and I have like cat hair or dog hair on me and I'm like trying to get it off. And I'm like, maybe I don't want it all off. Maybe I need some of it on me (laughs) in case somebody abducts me and murders me. They can they can catch them faster.
1: (laughs) I hope that never happens, Kimmy. I like listening to your episodes. I hope not, too. (laughs) Well, you you have my permission to
0: do a podcast episode about it one day if that were to happen.
1: oh thank you so much i appreciate that but we're not even gonna go there oh goodness well there you have it we have dashed to the finish line kimmy you have been amazing and i can't wait to hear your next episode you can always find kimmy always talking crime wherever you get your podcasts while you're here though click on the links in our show notes to find out more about dying to be found there you have it talk to you next time thanks for listening to dying to be found true crime podcast in our dash mini series every week we'll bring you a variety of true crime episodes a little dash of hope plus special bonus episodes with some really cool guests before we go we'd love for you to share this podcast with your friends and give us a five-star review follow us on tiktok instagram twitter Facebook and Pinterest at Dying to Be Found, or visit our website at dyingtobefound.com, spelled just like you see it in our logo. Better yet, click on our Linktree account found in the show notes, where you'll find all the information in one place. Be sure to dash in every Wednesday for our mini episodes, plus every Thursday when I get together with some of my family members. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.